In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I have a special guest. He is a friend of the program. He's been on the show a few times. He was actually the guy that introduced the NBA Big Board family to Shaden Sharp because he was one of the few people that had a chance to watch Shaden Sharp before he blew up. It is Max Feldman. And in this episode, Max is going to share his thoughts on 29 mcdonald's all americans so he believes could be one and done candidates so we're basically we're going to talk about who is this year's bryce Simpson, ball taylor and hendrix or jet howard stay tuned to find out max's top players that were not mcdonald's all americans who he believes could be one and done stay tuned Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And I'm looking forward to to this episode. i got to slow down. I'm so excited. I, I'm, I'm speeding up. I've been talking to Max about it for a while. I couldn't wait for him to put this list together because he did one last year. And there were there was a lot of accuracy on that list. And so this year I wanted to put it in on the podcast all right so first of all before we get into your list how's everything going your way and what is new with you since the last time that you were you were on the podcast i appreciate you having me on again as always always great to hop on and talk some draft stuff um all is well my way saying same old grind just staying in the gym everything like that but um this is definitely one of my favorite projects too obviously started last year for the first time um, had a great time with that process, and this year was excited to come back with it. Obviously, had a little bit more sample size with these high school guys than the year prior. So, as we as we keep going here, um, definitely just become one more my favorite projects to get to every year. So, just give the audience a little detail about this project. Like I said, I saw it last year, and they may want to know, like, what exactly are you doing, and, and the research that you're using to come up with with the information here. Yeah, so something that um, I've just always been fascinated with is just how recruiting rankings and the RSCI rankings translate to the NBA draft and specifically one and done. So um, with this, kind of didn't want to go too high with the sample size of previous drafts and now kept it to, in the first edition, which was last year, I kept it to the last five drafts. Now this year with the last six drafts, um, how I went about it was calculating looked at the total amount of freshmen that were in the draft class and then went through those freshmen and classified how many of those guys were McDonald's All-Americans and how many are not McDonald's All-Americans. So with this year, um, looking back at this past six drafts, um, those one and done prospects each year, approximately, not approximately, exactly 65% of those guys were McDonald's All-Americans, which leaves the other 35%, uh, 34.75% to be exact. Um, prospects per class were not McDonald's All-Americans. So that adds up to about 6.8, essentially seven prospects per draft class over the last six years have not been McDonald's All-Americans. So this project every year now, um, I'm dialing in on 20 specific prospects. And then I laid out a few more that were just on the fringes for me and laid out uh, the this, this cell for why they might be a one and done prospect. And then the second part is the swing skills, essentially what needs to go right if they're going to make that one and done leap. All right. Who were your some? So who were some of your hits last year that you hit the nail on the head that you got right? 
Um, looking back on last year, um, I've done it a ton. I think the biggest thing was I was just a little bit too early on a lot of these guys. My biggest hit definitely was Bryce Sensabaugh. Um, Taylor Hendricks was a guy that I left just off the fringes and a guy that I put thought about a ton of, just didn't think at UCF that was going to happen that quickly. Jet Howard, um, obviously a guy that I knew very well coming out of IMG, but just a guy that I didn't think was really going to make that leap. And I thought with his dad being the coach, he was going to stick around for a little bit longer. But my hits were... Bryce Fenspaugh was the big one. Um, Judah Mintz was one that was obviously close, tested the waters. Riley Kugel was the one that obviously a lot of high school recruiting people um, just didn't think was going to be there, a guy that I was super high on um, just in terms of grassroots stuff. Tyrese Proctor. Um, there are a few others. Uh, Kyle Filipowski. Um, there are a few others that I think are going to make that leap this year. Um, but Bryce Fenspaugh was the big one. All right. Let's get right to it. We're going to alphabetical order here. So it's not like a ranking. It's just alphabetical order. And the first name that you have on your list is Taylor Bowl Boeing from Florida State. Tell me a little bit about him and his game. Well, the one that I forgot that I mentioned last year was Bobby Clinton. That was a big one that no one grassroots basketball was talking about and obviously didn't make the draft weight, but a guy that was on a lot of radars there. Yeah. Um, Taylor Bowl Bowen here, kind of your prototypical Florida State wing over the last few years. Um Six foot nine, great athlete, really big time defender. Um, the skill stuff has been the big uh, question mark, the shooting, the handling, um, just this, the processing overall. Um, a guy that I'm honestly not super confident is going to make the leap, but I think he's going to be on scouts radars, whether it's one to two years, um, just because he does have big holes in his game as like a more raw wing, but a guy that's going to be really intriguing. All right. And where, where is he from and what position is he? he I know he's at, like wing. He played at... Rooster Academy, 6'9 wing, um, probably a 3'4 at the NBA level. Um, but, yeah, from Brewster Academy in New Hampshire, now down at Florida State. All right, what's the swing skill? The swing skill, like I mentioned a little bit, I think it's just going to be a shooting and decision-making overall, not like a guy that has a super high-level feel for the game. More tools, more defense, more athleticism, going to be great in transition, I'm sure, but really more of like a, a potential overproduction guy at this point. Okay. All right. The next player is a guy that a lot of people are familiar with. He had a, a big name coming into this this season, especially on like the, the prep circuit, even on the international circuit. Is Elliot Cadeau. What are your thoughts on Cadeau? Yeah, obviously a, a little bit of a rare qualifier being a guy that reclassed up. So he wasn't technically a McDonald's All-American. If he stuck in his class, would have been a McDonald's All-American. But um, the deal with him is just pretty baseline, really elite level playmaker. And for me with him, just breaking down the swing skills and the sell for him, being a six foot guard, six foot one guard, it's obviously going to be extremely tough to make that leap. But if you are going to make that leap, in my eyes, you need to have an outlier level skill in some area. And I think out of anyone the last few years, he does have some of those baseline um, outlier level skills just in terms of his feel for the game athleticism, playmaking, elite, elite level playmaker. Um, the thing for him, I think, is just going to be the three-point shooting. Um, I think people who watched him last year, they think it's probably been a thing for him to be a really good shooter, but it hasn't. Um, it's come on a little bit, so I think if he continues on that trajectory shooting-wise, can make that leap, but I think it's going to have to get there if he's going to do so. Yeah, I think he's one of the best space creators in this draft. Like He knows how to get his shot off, create space. Really good athlete. I forgot the number. I had mentioned it before, but I think he had like 12 dunks in the EYBL this year. Something crazy, which is really incredible if you 
factor in that he's a six foot guard. And I watched him play at um, when the EYBL came to Dallas. You know, like you're watching the game and then you turn your head and I just somehow turned my head for a second. And I just heard the crowd go crazy. And I'm like, what happened? And it's like Elliot just I don't know if he just went down the lane and, and took off and dunked in traffic. But he is a, a phenomenal right. athlete. Do you think that he's going to be given the keys as a freshman in North Carolina? I do think he's going to be a guy like, obviously that was the big question mark with his reclassification. And that was something that was bubbling up for a little bit. Was it, was he going to make the leap? What's the deal with Caleb love? Obviously they had Simeon Wilcher coming on the way at the time. Now he's at St. John's, but um, I do think he's going to find his way on the court. He's just that type of guy. And I think you can talk all about his playmaking and everything like that, but he's just like, He's going to be a guy that's so hard to keep off the court just with his defense, his playmaking, his ability to break down the opposing defense. All right, let's talk about Cohen Carr. He is, I don't want to say phenomenal athlete because that's like an understatement. Whatever like word I would use to describe his athleticism, whether it's elite, phenomenal, excellent, whatever, it, it still doesn't give him yeah. enough justice. So share your thoughts on Cohen Carr. Yeah, that's my my baseline sell with him. He's going to be a guy that walks in the NBA as like a 95th plus percentile athlete. Like going to be one of the best athletes the second he steps on the court, whenever that might be. Um, baseline for him, he's like a 6'7", 6'6", 3'4", type guy. Um, really elite defender, really comfortable with the balls in his hands. Played in the NIBC with Legacy Early College, which was one of the teams lower down the standings. They weren't very good. He was their best prospect and was able to do a lot and experience with a different experiment with a bunch of different things offensively, but still a guy that's going to need work shooting. That's the biggest swing skill for him is where does his shooting really land? Um, he knocked down 47% in EYBL from three. That was only on one attempt per game. So really low sample size. And I think just figuring out where the touch really lays is going to be the big thing for him as a prospect. Obviously Michigan state's going to be one of the best teams in the country. It's going to be hard to get on the floor, but with the defense, with the athleticism, with like the playmaking flashes, um, he's going to be a guy that's on scouts' radar. And he kind of more aligns to me as I put this together as a guy that's going to be a, one of those guys coming into a sophomore year that everyone's really excited about. Do you think he's going to get the opportunity to get loose at Michigan State? Like, and it's not a knock on Michigan State. Obviously, it's one of the more story programs. But if I'm a freshman and I want to get in and out and I want to get busy, Michigan State's not the school I'm going to go to. Totally. I think that obviously, yeah, they have Sissoko, they have Malik Hall, they've got a ton of Jackson Kohler. They've got a bunch of guys ahead of him. Booker? So or just, he's not the same position, yeah. but I think he's totally. really good. I think um, that's why I think he a little bit aligns more as a two-year guy. I think Miles Bridges is kind of like an interesting trajectory for him as like a prospect. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that could be something that, and obviously Miles Bridges came back for a year too. So I think that one would make a little bit more sense. All right. When we return, I definitely want to hear more about Max's list of players that he believes could end up being potential one and dones that weren't McDonald's all Americans. Stay tuned. All right. Before we get into that, let's talk about DoorDash because have you ever missed the syrup on your pancakes or you just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer? With DoorDash grocery delivery, you can get what you want right when you need it. So if you love the convenience of getting what you want right at your door, with DoorDash grocery delivery, you can stock up for the week and order last-minute cravings conveniently 
If you trusted DoorDash to deliver your favorite restaurant favorites, now you can get grocery delivery that actually delivers too. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best in your neighborhood and boost your local economy with each and every order. You get exactly what you ordered or will make it right. So sit back, enjoy quality groceries just like you pick them yourself. And if you want even more value, you can save on all your groceries and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass membership. Ooh, that's tough to say. Dash Pass membership. With easy substitutions right in the app and best in-class customer service, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. So you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. It is a limited time offer and terms apply, but that is 50% off up to $20 of no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code Locked On NBA. Do not forget, that's the code Locked On NBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. All right, in the next episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it will be part two of this series with Max Feldman. It's just too many guys to narrow it down to one episode and then max has the details on the guy so we don't want to rush through it so we're going to break this up into two parts all right we left off with cohen carr the next player that you have on your list is miles coven i've seen him get a little bit of love recently can you fill the audience in on miles coven and why you think he has a chance to be a one and done yeah no doubt um headed to purdue an indiana guy um one of the most overlooked prospects in the recruiting class, in my opinion, not a lot of, he played on independent AAU, um, played at public school in Indiana and Indiana is just one of those um, states every year where it seems like these guys just aren't really as hyped up or known about um, as some other states. So Blake uh, Wesley is an example of that. Exactly. Jade and Ivy, there, there's a bunch of examples, um, but Really high-level athlete, 6'6", six, six, strong physical wing. Um, my favorite thing about him is he's got like a low-maintenance style of play but still knows how to make an impact. Um, great intangibles, great athlete, quick decision maker. Um, the thing for him is just going to be like the sample size. I think it's going to be interesting to see how he carves out a role. Um, it's big leap in competition for him as well. Just a guy, like I mentioned with Grasser, it's just a guy that not a lot of people know a lot about. Um, he hasn't played in a ton of high level seven settings. He's played with USA basketball a little bit, um, but it's definitely a big leap in competition to the big 10. Um, but one of the more intriguing guys, in my opinion, like going to be one of the youngest guys in college basketball, got a ton of upside if he starts to sharpen up his handle a little bit more, but um, just one of the most like fascinating cases, in my opinion, this year. What do you think is the swing skill? I think it's just going to be doing enough to kind of warrant a one and done leap. I don't know if that role is going to be there. Obviously, Purdue got a ton of guys coming back. Um, they got big time guards and they got one of the best players in the country now in the low post. So I think it's just going to be like maybe one year around this many guys isn't going to be enough time. Um, but he does bring a different thing to the mix. Like he's, a rare Purdue type of guy. He's not your traditional bo Purdue boilermaker under uh, Matt Painter. And, and can you like go in depth about that for the, the average listener that may not know? Yeah, I think just Jaden Ivey is different. He was like this, but usually a team that's more based on like um, feel for the game, shooting, um, got a lot of guys who just really process the game at a high level. Whereas 
Um, Miles Colvin's really high level defender, really slides his feet, explosive as hell. Um, great in transition, um, can shoot it more of like your modern type of wing. Um, so it would be an interesting fit for sure. All right. Let's talk about Caden Cooper. He will be going to Oklahoma. What are your thoughts on Caden Cooper and why do you believe that he could possibly be a, a one and done? Yeah, I think we talked about Cohen Carr. We talked about Miles Colvin. Caden Cooper is an elite athlete and up for the best perimeter defender in the class, in my opinion. Six six, six foot five, six six foot six, with big time length, probably close to six ten wingspan, I'd guess. Um, strong, explosive, really physical, plays with an edge. For him, the cell, like I mentioned, gonna be great in transition. Um, can really wreak havoc on the ball and defend in rotation as well. Um and smart, I think attacking a tilted defense, but not a guy that's gonna tilt the defense on his own with his handle or anything like that. The swing skills for him are gonna be um, the shot making in the half court offense overall play with team Trey young, along with Jacoby Walter and EY and uh, three SSB and had Dink, games. Dink Pate was on that team too, I believe. Dink Pate as well. Yes. Yeah. Very good team. Um, just struggled sometimes kind of floated offensively. And if the shot isn't falling, doesn't have anything to lean his, to hang his hat on offensively. So definitely a thing that could even take two, three years to really figure out offensively. But um, if he does, if he does continue to shoot it at a decent clip, um, I think there's a chance that the leap could be there. Okay. All right. Davin Cosby from Alabama. Yeah. Big fan of Davin Cosby. Uh, originally a member of 2020, the 2024 class. Excuse me. No, he was originally a member of 2023 and chose to enroll early in 2022, um, halfway through the year with Alabama. Smooth shooting wing um, can really defend with a late bloomer in high school and had one of those three SSB sessions played with team loaded and all of a sudden went from like three mid-major offers to 10 high major offers. Eventually chose Alabama, spent the season, spent the second half of the season in Tuscaloosa. He's added a bunch of strength, can really shoot the ball. I think that's the big thing. Shot 35% on over seven three-point attempts per game and three SSB. So I think he really fits that um, Alabama wing type where he's going to either shoot it, he's going to attack the rack, he's going to defend. I think he's going to be really interesting fit and obviously one of those guys that hasn't been discussed nearly as much as others. Now, do you think he plays alongside Rylan Griffin or do you think he'll be behind him? Yeah, I think Rylan Griffin's kind of a guy who can handle the ball a little bit more than Davin. So I think it could work. But that's my biggest swing skill. Like I laid out in the article, it's just, it's crowded. They got a lot of guys coming in, um, a lot of different transfers and obviously some big time recruits as they always do. So I think it'll be interesting to see if he can carve out a role. Hopefully that time spent that's last six months in Tuscaloosa helped out, but um, definitely a chance that he just doesn't have the sample size in year one. All right. When we return, I want to talk about Rob Dillingham. I feel like I could have a segment Alone on Rob Dillingham. Stay tuned to hear Max's thoughts on Rob because I know I have my thoughts and I have my concerns, but I think he's the most, just from a pure entertainment standpoint, the most entertaining freshman in this class. So stay tuned. All right, last segment. So I left off talking about Rob Dillingham. And I'll let you go first before I share my thoughts. But you believe Rob Dillingham has a chance to be a one and done? I do think he has a chance. Part of me think he he winds up being a guy that goes one and done and goes in the second round type of guy, um, just based on conversations with NBA people and kind of how his game has evolved. I think 
I know you like it, and I'm sure that's one of your favorite things about him. It's just his overall creativity. Like a guy yeah. that doesn't need a ball screen to get a bucket. He could play one on five, and he'll probably get up some points. Um, but to me, more of an undersized two guard who's very streaky from three, um, makes some interesting decisions, can be turnover prone. And obviously the big thing is like physically, he just might not have it. Six foot, six foot one and really slender. Um, so he's going to be a tough sell defensively, but there is part of his game where it's like you can't ignore it. Yeah, he is someone that if I had to say is the epitome of boom or bust, it would be him because if he – if he has a good freshman year, it's because the offensive creativity was just amazing. But there's a part of me that's like, I can't see Calipari just giving him the green light and giving him freedom. He is a, a player that needs a coach that's going to give him like the ultimate green light and freedom to play how he plays. And I don't think Kentucky is that school where he's going to have that because Kentucky is deep. I mean, they have an incredible class. It is, he has to play the way Calipari wants him to play. And if he doesn't, Cal doesn't have to play him to be good. I think if he goes to a situation, you know, I'm thinking like how Trey Young was at Oklahoma, where he got to do whatever he wanted to do. And I mean, Trey was obviously really good at Oklahoma, not saying that Rob Dillingham is going to be Trey, Trey Young, but he just had the green light to play how he plays. And I just wonder how Rob is going to play with structure. He's, like I said, the most fun guy for me to watch. I mean, when it comes to just confidence and offensive creativity, he has it and some. I mean, sometimes he it's he does a little bit too much, yeah. but I mean, just his ability to create space and dance with the ball. I mean, he dribbles like he was born with the basketball in his hand, but I'm right. just very, very concerned about how he's going to play. I mean, we have seen situations where guys go to Kentucky with a, a big name like Khalil Whitney is, is a name that comes to mind and didn't necessarily play the way Kyle wanted him to play. And he wasn't necessarily needed. And that's the, the scary thing is that, like I said, that Calipari and Kentucky doesn't need Rob Dillingham. Oh. So he is going to have to get in line with the way they want to play, which means I, I think he's going to have to tone it down a lot. It's almost like it's almost like when Jason Williams played for the Sacramento Kings. He was able to he, he was throwing passes off his elbow, just full of tricks. He was fun, he was exciting, everybody loved him. Goes to Memphis and he became a better player at Memphis, but Hubie Brown was like, "Nah, <laughs> none of that stuff. You you, you got to play the the quote unquote right way. So I could see that totally happening. And I even think that, and I don't want to sound like I'm hating, but I wouldn't even be surprised if Dillingham is out the rotation and he leaves at the semester and transfer. I can see that happening too, but it's going to be one of my top storylines for this season. All right, let's talk about Freddie DeLeon. He was another person that reclassified, got to school early. I've been hearing good things about him at Tennessee. Share your thoughts on, on Freddie. Yeah, Freddie DeLeon from North Carolina, um, another big-time late bloomer late in high school. was like a big-time bucket getter early in high school, could really score. Um, added some strength, got to six foot five, and started, obviously, that last summer playing three SSB. Started to trend more towards like a, a big-time six foot five, six foot six creator, all on the ball stuff, playing in ball screens. Um, he's got great size, great, got great pace. He can score at all three levels. 
um, and can really get to the line. That's one of my favorite things about him. Um, the big thing, the big swing skill for him, I think, is just going to be turnovers. Um, he had the intrigue like blew up once he was playing on the ball a ton in three SB and then playing with word of God. But the turnover numbers were crazy. Um, just doesn't really have that nuance and ball screens yet. So um, it'll be interesting to see another case in just terms of how his role shakes out at Tennessee. But um, definitely has like the the raw talent in terms of a six foot five combo guard that you look for. Yeah, because he's going to be more of a combo. And is, is Ziggler, is he going to be healthy at the start of the season? Should you be. Know? So that means, you, you know, he's going to be the, the primary yep. ball handler. So it'll be interesting to see how, how um, Freddie plays in that role. All right, a couple more guys. Let's talk about Garway Duel. I have him as a first-round pick on, on my latest mock draft. Not mock draft, my latest big board. And he is someone that is... Starting to get like a a real buzz over the summers. Like his buzz is higher now than it was during the season. And what are your thoughts on? Yeah, if you asked me to rank out all these guys, he would probably be number one, just in terms of non-all-American guys. Big things that I look for with this project are the the trend of progression in their senior year of high school and how that carries over into that freshman year and that the actual substance to that rise, not just the situation or something like that. But Garway has been, he was playing with AJ Johnson his senior year at SoCal Academy, started to shift AJ Johnson off the ball a little bit. Garway slid on the ball. And from there, the rise was crazy. Um, started to show off the playmaking more. Can It seemed like every time I, I saw him play, he was just growing more polished just in terms of the decision-making, the efficiency from three. And obviously the physical stuff speaks for itself. He's got a crazy wingspan. One of the twitchiest athletes I've ever seen up close and personal. And the defense is probably among the best in the class, just in terms of guarding both backcourt spots. Yeah, he's got a crazy story because I believe he's from Houston. And then he transferred to like some somewhere in Indiana. Then he ends up playing on the West Coast. And he just has been tr- trending in the right direction. What do you say is the swing skill? For me, I think it's his shooting because when I watched his film, he didn't have to shoot a jumper. He can go a whole game without shooting a single jump shot because he was able to get to the rack whenever he wanted to with his long strides and was able to score in transition. So I think the outside shooting is the swing skill, but I don't think the shot is broken. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the shooting is going to be interesting. It's something that I wouldn't say is a swing skill for me, something that I feel much more comfortable about. Um, heading into his senior year, it was a swing skill just after the summer and everything like that. And a guy that didn't play on his shoe circuits, but um, I think he started to c- turn a corner his senior year. And obviously a guy that the he's not shooting 45% or 40%, but I think he's trending in the right direction. And that's something that I feel comfortably about developmentally. For me, I think it's his physicality and just the situation at Providence. Um, he's probably, I don't know what he's weighing in at now, but he's very slender, very wiry. Um, and he's a guy that you can see, we've been able to see from the jump, he's going to be a guy that adds weight. Um, but I think doing so and um, just his overall physicality playing in the Big East. And then I think the other one is just what's Providence going to look like playing under Kim English now. I think it'll be interesting to see how what that looks like and how his responsibility kind of grows throughout the year. But um, something I'll be keeping close tabs on. Yep. All right. Last player for today's episode, Dennis Evans. He blew up on Twitter, was it last the summer before last, just with his defense and his shot blocking. 7-1, seven, 7-7 seven, seven wingspan. I know my guy Chris Kesey is a big fan of, of Dennis Evans. What are your thoughts on Dennis Evans, and why do you think he could be a one-and-done? Elite-level defender, traditional big shot blocker, rim protector type of guy. 
Um, very young for the class. Him, Miles Colvin, Dylan Swain, a guy we'll get to, is three of the youngest guys in college basketball. Um, Are they 05s? Yeah. Very born in, born in 2005 for those that are, are wondering. Yeah, Dennis Evans is very raw. The ball skills are something that have been shaky sometimes in settings around other elite guys. Um, a guy who played um, independent AAU, um, another guy that just doesn't have a big sample size against other elite talent. At Elite 24 in Chicago, really struggled just playing with some other bigs and um, catching the ball cleanly and stuff like that. So a developmental bet, a guy that needs a lot of work, he needs a lot of reps, needs to continue to fill out his frame. But in terms of shot blocking instincts, 7-7 seven, seven wingspan, uh, moves decently well in space. I think uh, definitely a guy that will need to be monitored. All right. Well, that wraps up part one of this two-part series. I thought Max did an excellent job of just going over his personal scouting reports on 10 guys that he believes were not McDonald's All-Americans that could be one-and-done candidates. Stay tuned for tomorrow. On tomorrow's episode, we are going to round out the last 10. And again, this list was not in any type of order other than alphabetical order. It wasn't ranking, but he just listed guys that he believes could be one and done. All right. Stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. Once again, it's Raphael Barlow with Max Feldman. And we are 